of Wild Sports Talk. It's a great day to be here with everybody. Matt, how are you doing on this fine, I guess, Wednesday afternoon for you? Doing great. That's fantastic. Jonathan, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful today. How is everyone on this panel? Good. I'm doing good as myself. And Courtney is our special guest. Courtney, how are you doing on this fantastic Wednesday? I'm great. Thank you guys for having me. Awesome. I guess let's go back into you almost to get to know you. So tell me a little bit about your background and what you do for sure. a living. Sure. So I cover the Minnesota Vikings for ESPN.com, uh, part of our NFL Nation group. So there's 32 of us, one for each NFL team. It's the only sport at ESPN that uh, we designate a specific reporter to each one. Uh, to each team rather, and um, been doing it since 2017. This is my fourth season covering the Vikings, and um, it's been—I mean, it's been a—it's been a roller coaster uh, from that 2017 year where they, you know, had the Minneapolis miracle off the heels of Stephon Diggs, Case Keenum's miraculous season, and then they lose in the NFC Championship to. Um, you know, where they've been, the, the up and downs throughout Kirk Cousins' career in Minnesota. So they certainly keep me busy, even when they're like not a very good football team, like they are right now. They're always kind of in the news for something. Um, and I mean, they're one of the oldest franchises in the NFL, which I think certainly helps kind of with their fan base and just kind of the exposure um, that the team gets on a national, on a national stage. Fantastic. It was a great introduction to yourself. Isaiah, you finally joined in. How are you doing today? I'm good, guys. Uh, thanks for uh, letting me back in. I, I'm, I need to apologize for all the technical difficulties. I've been dealing with them all day, but hey, we got, I'm going to definitely power through it. But uh, Courtney, I want to thank you for jumping on and hopping mm -hmm. on with us on this show. Um, I want to personally welcome you to the Wild Sports Talk podcast, and thank you for helping us celebrate our milestone 30th episode. You know, we are all beyond humbled and honored to have you on because it's not every day that you get to interview someone from ESPN and also as big time as you on your podcast. So really thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule and joining us. But I can't wait, man. I think it's gonna be a great show and I can't wait to get started. Thanks, appreciate that. All right, yeah, let's. Thank you so much, Courtney. We really appreciate this. Of course, anytime. All right, let's get into our first segment. We're going to dissect your career a little bit to give mm -hmm. people just understand what's it like to be a broadcaster or an analyst in ESPN. So, my, I'll start with the first question. I know in some of your past experience, you have experience with ESPN Radio, but yeah. what are some of like I guess your, I wouldn't say pre-call rituals, but some things to prepare for your shows. Like how do you prepare for them? Yeah, I think with ESPN Radio, um, I do 
a lot of fill-in hosting. Um, and obviously right now, you know, my focus is completely in on the NFL world, but that's not all that we talk about on national radio. It's not just an NFL focused couple hours. It's, you know, throughout, throughout like when sports returned in 2020 after the pandemic kind of shut everything down, it was talking about baseball and how that whole thing was going to work. And, um, you know, the bubble format for the NBA and all, and all things like that, the NHL, the same thing. So I think for me, um, I really try to keep my, you know, have a pulse on what's going on in the entire country uh, when it comes to sports. I mean, I remember, you know, back this summer when the NWSL was the first league that technically came back. I know people forget about that. They think it's baseball, but I mean, soccer started the whole thing and it was a women's soccer league that did it too. So I don't typically watch the NWSL. Um, I don't even know what channel it would have been on during normal circumstances because Minnesota doesn't have a team, but um, you know, I think it's, it's really expanding your horizons and really broadening your focus, not just being specifically on the NFL. Obviously, I love talking about the league. Um, but, you know, being able to speak in an educated manner on a, on a multitude of topics um, really helps your credibility on radio. So I think the preparation is key. I mean, read everything, consume everything, watch everything you can, and you're going to be in a good spot to be able to have a conversation. And, and when you have a, you know, listeners who are like, well, she only covers the NFL. How does she know what she's talking about? Like, you'll come across a lot better to, to most people uh, if you can do that. Awesome. Um, Jonathan, I'll let you ask your question. What questions do you have for Courtney about her career? Jonathan, I believe your mic is muted. Courtney, as hey, Courtney, as an aspiring journalist, what would you tell any, any young student who might be one who might be willing to pursue this this career um what do you what kind of advice do you have for them what's your piece of advice i think be prepared for rejection but also don't let it break you um i always tell this story so like when i was graduating from indiana university in 2012 um i had a bunch of tv internships that was my focus i thought i was going to be a local tv sports anchor and I applied, you know, over the course of about a year for, you know, weekend sports anchor positions, thinking like little tiny towns, all, you know, all this stuff. Um, and I didn't hear back from anyone, literally couldn't even get like a sniff. And I, at the time in March of 2012, I found out I was accepted to this postgraduate internship at the NCAA in digital communications. And for me, like when I was, you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to apply as many TV jobs, but if I get this internship, it's my quote unquote fallback plan. Um, and obviously I never heard from any of the TV stations and this whole thing ended up being probably the biggest blessing of my career, um, which is kind of like my part two of this. Like there are a lot of people who graduate and they expect to have a job in whatever field that they um, are pursuing a career. And it just doesn't happen like that anymore where you have something lined up right away. And especially now, like I feel for seniors in college or people who just graduated um, that are struggling to find employment in the middle of a uh, pandemic. So I always tell journalism students, do not be afraid or ashamed to take an internship upon graduation. Like my postgraduate internship didn't pay a whole lot, but that was my foot 
getting in the door. And it wasn't even really, I mean, obviously it has nothing to do with what I do now, but I learned a new skill set when I was there. Um, I was a digital communications intern and, and really focusing on a lot of like original content and storytelling, which is certainly what I do now, but just in a completely different format working for the national office. Um, and it was never time wasted. Like, yeah, sure, there were days that you felt like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not on TV. I'm not, you know, reporting on like, a, you know, a bunch of teams, this whole thing. But it really ended up paving the way for me to get into newspapers because I never thought that that was the route that I was going to go. And that ended up being my first job um, doing video production and, and video, creating video, original video content for a newspaper in Mississippi. So, I mean, that was, you know, arguably the best decision that I ever made. And, and now, I mean, yeah, I can look back on it in hindsight and be like, well, I'm glad that I never heard from those TV stations. But in the time, it certainly didn't feel great. The rejection hurt, but I think you have to have a thick skin to be able to survive in this industry. Um, and if you don't, you'll get weeded out very quickly. So for me, it's like, you know, those years where you kind of grind through it um, in low level paying jobs and the whole thing. That's what builds up your resiliency to make a long-term career out of this. If that makes sense. Completely agree with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, would you give any more advice on what you could possibly do better to make it happen, to turn this dream into a reality? Because there's a lot of people that grind hard every day and they don't reach their full potential because mm -hmm. it's something that they're not doing that they probably could do a little bit better. And with you already been in the industry, you could probably give us a little bit more insight on what you think a person or anyone who's pursuing this as a career, what they can do better. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, you know, make sure that you have a clip file organized. So when someone says, hey, can I see some of your work? Like you, you want this position, show me why I should give you this position. Um, have your clips organized and ready to go. To me, that's probably the best piece of advice I can give somebody like have, you know, for me in college, it was organizing my reel because um, I thought I was going to go the broadcast route right away. And I spent so much time doing that and then redoing it because I'd have people in, in the industry, which is another thing like, I know that we all talk about networking and is it like, well, what really is it? Um, if, if there's, you know, if there's anything that the people who, you know, anytime someone says, Hey, let me know whatever you need, like in the future, if I can ever be a resource, you take those people up on that opportunity. Like how, how many people helped me along the way, uh, just be in, you know, an ear for me to talk to or be like, Hey, can you watch my reel and tell me what you think? Like, if you, do you think I need to make changes and, you know, by and large, like that advice has really paid off. And and then eventually when you, you know, you've been doing it a little bit, you get to kind of pay it forward um, and help, you know, help the younger generation on their come up too. So, I mean, I think that, you know, just relying on your resources that you have, like if you're in an internship, you know, and, you know, for me, it was my, I worked at a Fox station my junior year going into senior year summer in Indianapolis and, and the people in those department are still people I talk to to this day and they helped me like get from point A to point F um, just with like my career and, and figuring out like my on-camera presence and the whole thing so I mean rely use every tap in every resource that you have but also like you know 
produce as much content as you can. Um, coming out of college, I had all of my stuff was really video. Like I didn't have many writing clips, um, which, you know, is kind of a backwards way of doing it. Like I didn't really become, I guess, what you call like a professional writer until I was in Mississippi as a journalist doing a completely different, using a completely different skill set. So, um, and even then it's like, it's trial and error. It's, it's learning. It's, it's, it's writing as much as you can and not everything's going to be great, but like realizing that you are getting better every time that you put pen to paper, so to speak, um, and produce something. So. Absolutely. Matt, do you have any questions for Courtney on her, you know, career or any career advice you would like to know? I've got Vikings questions. All righty. I guess, I guess for my question is when you look back at your career, would you do anything different? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, I'm sure there are things that everybody would um, from, you know, maybe mistakes you made along the way. I can't really think of anything offhand, but I also think you want to live with no regrets too. Like don't regret take like, you know, taking the job that's going to be the best for you, even if you have to leave certain things behind, or even if it's going to make it, you know, kind of difficult for, you know, a number of things. Obviously we all want financial security and, and we know that journalism is an industry that doesn't have a lot of internships that, um, that pay. And for me, my going into my senior year for my, to pay for my Fox internship, I had to work in a restaurant um, a couple of days a week to just pay for my gas money to drive from Bloomington, Indiana up to Indy every day. Um, I don't regret that for a second, but, um, you know, I think everybody's path is going to be different. Um, we all kind of play the comparison game. Well, this person started out covering the NFL while I was over here covering preps and recruiting. Like, why couldn't I have started out there? And it's like, I think that's probably the thing that everybody needs to kind of check themselves with. Like the comparison game is just not applicable. Everyone's path is different and how you get to where you want to go is going to take you a different way than it's going to take me. And I think appreciating your own journey and how you get places is, is really what we need to do at the end of the day throughout all this, because that's, that's the way it works. All righty. Isaiah, do you have any questions for Courtney about career? Yeah, Courtney, you've worked at ESPN ever since 2017. I just want to know, what is your favorite moment uh, that you have uh, while working at the Worldwide Leader? Yeah, um, probably the one that like, kind of like hit me the most of like how hard work pays off and, and things like that. Um, week five of the 2017 season. So I had been on the job for just over like two months at this point because I started in the break time between between training camp and when they like start the the preseason. So right basically before the third preseason football game. And, um, you know, they were obviously a very newsworthy team at this point because Sam Bradford goes down, has this crazy knee injury um, after having like a really like a, like a record setting performance against the Saints. And. I'm on TV all of a sudden a lot because it's like, can Case Keenum like keep it going? Um, and I was, it was Monday night football, would have been October um, in, in 2017 when they were playing Chicago on the road at Soldier Field. And it's a place they don't win very often. So they, and the fact that they won there was pretty remarkable because it kind of sparked this, I think it was an eight game win streak, something like that. But I remember I had to do a pregame hit for the sports center 
Um, and obviously I grew up in Chicago, um, grew up, you know, on the north side of the city. You know, this was my first trip home covering, a, covering you know, for work, like to be able, because when I was out on the West Coast, I didn't have, oh, there's a bug. Um, I didn't have the, you know, we, we, we just never traveled. Uh, they never played the Bears when I was there. And when I was in Mississippi, I think I was only up in Chicago, like once for the McDonald's All-American game. Um, so like work had never really brought me home, but being there and doing a, a pregame hit for Sports Center on Monday Night Football, on um, you know the field at Soldier Field. On top of it, I was like deathly ill. Like I had a horrible ear infection, and it was just like powering through that. But that was kind of my gratification of like, not you've made it, but like it's all coming together and it's like seeing your hard work pay off, like being at home, home for me um, on national TV doing this and just feeling like, yeah, like I think it's very fair to be able to pause along the way and appreciate the moments of your journey and not just kind of breeze through it, like living in the present. Um, and that was one that still like gives me chills when I think about it. Cause the cub in the, you know, they was in LCS and they played the Cardinals and they were broadcasting the game during pregame over the jumbotron and um, kind of off the cuff, like I, somebody had a walk off home run in the game. And I just, you know, kind of put, relayed all of that. Cause I could tell they were, I could hear the music, they were playing highlights. And then all of a sudden you hear this roar of the crowd. Um, and, and, you know, like the camera cuts back to me and I'm like, well, that, yeah, what you're hearing right now is about eight miles North. Um, so-and-so just hit a walk-off home run uh, to to give the Cubs a lead in the NLCS or DS, whichever, I think it was a DS actually, whatever it was. Um, and it was just kind of a cool way to, you know, tie in my roots and in my career to where I was at. And just, you know, I was so young in the, in the, in the part of my career of covering the Vikings, it all was such a blur and it was overwhelming, but it was, I was a learning experience every day. So that for me is probably top five favorite moments of, of working at ESPN. Amazing. Um, Jonathan, I know you have one more question. Ask your question. Hey, Courtney, uh, being a writer in Minnesota, um, in that city, there was a legendary sports columnist there who recently just passed away, Sid Hartman. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a longtime journalist, published his first column in 1945. Uh, that's way before our time. Talk to me a little bit about uh, him and was he inspiring to you? Yeah, I didn't have a whole ton of interaction with Sid um, just because by the time I started on the Vikings beat, he was kind of nearing the end of his career. Obviously, he had a career that spanned nine decades, 21,000 bylines or whatever it was. But so he's certainly a legend. Um, I think that that's something that could inspire everybody, though, because he, he found something that he loved to do that much he was able to do it for nine decades. I mean, that's kind of crazy. So I think, you know, that's kind of maybe inspiration for all of us to really truly find what you love to do and do it every single day. I know people say, find something you love to do and do it every day. And it won't be a job. Well, there are moments where what you love to do is a grind and it, and it feels like, you know, it, it is a job, but, um, if, that, if the good moments outweigh the bad, and I mean, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. I mean, you don't have growth as a journalist if you don't go through that. So 
Um, I think it's been a really, you know, I mean, you're hearing the stories, you know, from people, everybody knew Sid, he's been, you know, canonized on every single broadcast of games and, and just, you know, really realizing that that was an icon that was, you know, truly ahead of his time at points. Um, and also, you know, somebody who was, you know, just so well known throughout, not just the NFL world, but really the whole sports world. Awesome. Um, we do have a fan comment. Um, so the question is, hey, Courtney, what's, what's the most exciting part about your job as a broadcaster? I think a lot of it has to do with telling really good stories, as cliche as it sounds, but that all starts with building relationships. I mean, this whole, this whole industry is based on relationships, and you are only as good as the people who are willing to talk to you. So for me, it's like I see that as a challenge, and I see that as like one that I'm really willing to take on. Um, I love what I do. And I think that that's, you know, a huge part of it is being able to tell great stories and, and, and meet great people and even meet some not so great people, but also being able to be very fair and very forthcoming in, in, in how you write and how you, you know, relay a story. Um, that, that's something I've learned over the course of my career. and I've really been able to appreciate. All right, let's move on to our next segment. We're going to go to the NFL and talk some Vikings football. Mm -hmm. I know Matt's a huge Vikings fan, so Matt, I'll let you go with your questions. All right, so it's obviously been a rough season so far. Um, Kirk Cousins last week, not good. Uh, three interceptions in the first half, I believe. Uh, looking back at that, I believe it was – 2018 when they signed him or that off season, where did you stand with that whole, should we sign him? Should we stick with mm -hmm. Keenum? Should we give Bridgewater a chance? Uh, where did you stand and has your opinion changed since? Yeah, I think it's anybody can play revisionist history and be like, yeah, it wasn't a good thing. And I was always kind of in the boat of, of, oh, that's a lot of money for a guy who was seven and nine, nine and seven, seven and nine as a starter, right? So, but you got to look at what the options were at the time. Um, was Case Kingdom lighting in a bottle? It, it certainly proved to be that way uh, after he signs the nice deal, got himself a really nice paycheck with the Broncos, but then has since bounced around from Washington now at Cleveland. Um, I don't feel like they think they thought they could have sustained the success that they had the year before had they been able to keep Keenum. Would that have happened? I don't know. I mean, we don't have a crystal ball, but. Outside of that, it was, you know, they were told Sam Bradford's knee had like was like degenerative, basically meaning he had like arthritic conditions and the knee was never going to hold up. So that one was out the window. And Teddy, they just didn't know if he was going to ever be the same guy. So they did what they thought was like the safest option of, hey, we just got to the NFC championship. We have, you know, a chance to, you know, keep the Super Bowl window open. Um, how do we go forward with that? Well, what we feel like is the missing piece is the quarterback position, and that's what they did with Cousins. Um, I was never like completely on board with the Cousins, you know, decision. I mean, I understand. I've written about it from a perspective of, okay, this is their thinking. This is what they're going to do. Like basing an extension for him off one win on the road in the wild card round, like. I wouldn't have necessarily made that same call. I don't think it was the right call, but he proved that that, like, it's kind of like, okay, that's what he needed to do to prove to ownership that he deserved the extension. Now, it certainly doesn't feel like it's working out. Uh, they're one in five, and 
Kirk, you know, his play is responsible for at least three of those losses. So um, I think that it's a, they're really in a tough situation now because they need to understand um, it's probably not going to get better. Um, but like what they need to make some sort of move at some point soon, because obviously we know with the extension, it, it really puts a lot of stress in the salary cap and you have to make a decision very soon if you're going to cut him for 2021 and try to move on, eat the money, because you have like three days into the new league year uh, next March before his 2022 salary, base salary becomes uh, guaranteed, which it would be an enormous amount of money to spend for somebody that you would eventually cut. So I think that I don't, I think it's kind of the writings on the wall here and it's been on the wall here for a while that he's probably not the quarterback to take you to a Super Bowl, but you know, they were, they all hedged their careers on it. Like they all, they all, they went all in because they felt that that was the move that they had to make. And of course we can go back and play the hindsight game and say, well, that probably wasn't the right thing to do. Um, but even still, like here we are, and this is, this is what it is. Like they are, they're in this situation in in such a bind at the salary cap because of what they did at the quarterback position. Cause they felt like that was the right thing to do. So you kind of highlighted, um, the Vikings, they're in a big cap crunch right now. Mm -hmm. um, and there's been a lot of movement on defense as far as personnel. Uh, a lot of key departures over off season. Um, a lot, a lot of new corners specifically. Um, and we've got some guys that are, well, recently acquired, like Yannick Ngakwe. I don't know if I said that right. Or... Um, also, Anthony Harris, most likely going to command, both of them are going to command a large contract in the future. Are these two pieces long-term? I mean, that Kirk Cousins deal has to make that difficult to view them yeah. as long-term fixes. I think that the Kirk deal kind of handcuffs them to, you know, to their quarterback, at least for now, because they have so many resources in the quarterback position, it will limit you in what you want to do elsewhere. Um, it's not the only thing, though. I mean, I think that you look back at them re-signing Anthony Barr in 2018, um, or in 2019, and being like, okay, was that a completely necessary move? Like, would you have been able to use that money to go after an offensive lineman? Like, and they, I think kind of sometimes their loyalty gets them in trouble because they are very loyal and very good to their veteran players and bestow these really big contracts. And, and a lot of times they never see them through because they're so crafty with the way that they're able to get out of deals. Um, and, you know, you bring up Unique and Gakwe, um, how he, you know, he was brought here because they were, um, they're trying to sell it as they want to have a great pass rushing du duo with Hunter on one end and with um, Ngakwe on the other. Well, you know, Daniil hasn't played this year. I don't know when he will. Um, at least he has the neck injury. So it's like, could you have gotten by with if it was just a Fadi Odenabo and because Hunter, I mean, um, excuse me, Ngakwe has been good. He hasn't been great. He's had moments, but he's also somebody who doesn't like to play the run very effectively. Um, and I wouldn't say he's like this very dominant, strong pass rusher. Maybe it would be different if Hunter was on the other end, but you got to make a decision soon. Like, are you going to give that guy a long-term deal? Because you brought him in here with kind of the thought that you would. Otherwise, you wouldn't have done the trade. So when people talk about like the trade deadlines coming up, I think Ngakwe is a perfect candidate for that. 
Um, and then as it pertains to Anthony Harris, I mean, they tagged him with the intent of trading him because they don't, it's a team who doesn't use a franchise tag that often. <sighs> Obviously it didn't work out. They couldn't move him. And I don't think he's on this roster next year, this time. I think that that's, you know, something you're going to move past and maybe even he gets traded uh, before the deadline. I think they could potentially be a very active team uh, the next few weeks ahead of the trade deadline. All right. And uh, I guess we kind of talked about some key departures. Uh, I mean, our top three corners all gone Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot just in, in general, the team defense has changed a lot. Um, which player from the 2019 season on the defense, that is, like, do we miss the most right now? That's a good question. Um, I think you could, I think it's honestly probably Linville Joseph because of how poor they've been against the run. Um, and then obviously Michael Pierce opted out. Uh, and that's really hurt them this season. But I think it really starts up front because – probably it's probably Joseph and it's probably Trey Waynes or Mackenzie Alexander because your your cornerback group is so young has no veteran experience back there that I think that that really hurts them this year um but they were they were you know up against the cap and they had to make those moves and and, and really in making those moves you know it's going to be a rebuild um, I just don't know if they really anticipated being a rebuild team wide. Think that maybe they thought that the defense, you know, they could rely on this offensive continuity that they were harping on for so long that that's going to be able to carry a defense through a period of transition. It's just not. So, um, but they they knew what was going to happen. I think when when this whole thing came to be, um, and that's just kind of the way it is. And I mean they also put, a, in my opinion, they put a ton of pressure on the um, Holton Hill and Mike Hughes. I mean, to step up, go from not really playing that much mm-hmm. to being a one and two corner, it's a lot to ask. Um, which one of the rookie corners or just rookies in general has been the most impressive so far? I mean, Justin Jefferson, that's like a clear answer but who's most impressed so far outside of Jefferson I mean I think it's got to be Gladney because he's taking on a lot of responsibility playing both in the slot and outside um so the way that I look at that is those are not easy positions for any rookie corner to master particularly playing at the nickel so he's got a bright future he's a really aggressive super physical player like he'll be he'll be fine it's just kind of like working through those lumps um, which you anticipated would happen this year. All right. Isaiah has a question. Isaiah, what is your question, sir? Isaiah, you're muted, my buddy. Courtney, I want to switch over and talk about the, uh, Mike Zimmer, the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. We know that he is an elite defensive mind, but this year the defense is giving up over 413 Uh, yards per game, 286 passing yards per game, and 127 rushing yards per game. And the team has really struggled uh, ever since they made it to the NFC Championship game. I know they made it to the playoffs last year, but how hot is Mike Zimmer's seat right now? Because the Vikings are 1-5. and Do you see a scenario where Mike Zimmer could possibly get canned after the season? Well, he... 
he just got the contract extension at the end of July, right? So yep. it's a three-year extension. Um, we don't know what the buyout is specifically, but I would imagine it would be probably half of whatever the uh, total amount of that contract is. So really, it's just going to be up to ownership. Like if they're not, you know, if this team goes three and thirteen, or you know, whatever the scenario is, like they, if they keep losing games and don't see any sort of, you know, improvement from where they're at now at the buy, then then you could potentially see it happening. I just think it's kind of hard to envision it now, just knowing how much. Um, time is left on that contract. I mean, he's still in the final year of his old deal. The, the extension doesn't start until 2021, and then he's there linked up with the general manager through 2023. Um, the pressure's on them to win next year for sure. I think that this was kind of the year of, okay, you're rebuilding on defense. Like, you need to, you know, kind of take your lumps with it and realize it could be a very up-and-down season. But in that same respect, like, I don't think anybody expected them to be one in five and, you know, completely no-showing against Atlanta. Um, same thing with uh, that that Falcons – not Falcons, uh, the Colts game in week two. So they're a tough team to figure out because, like, you know, two weeks ago they are one-point loss to Seattle and they looked terrific. And then they lay, you know, complete egg against – the Falcons. So I think that that certainly is something that, you know, makes the coach's seat hotter, but I guess we're just going to have to wait to see how the next few weeks pan out. Um, Cause if they like lost to green Bay and to Detroit, I think in, in, if they're, you know, at that point one and seven um, and I think they have the bears after that, something like that. Like, I mean, if they're, if they're a one win team entering the month of uh, like December or late November, I think that you could potentially make an argument that you would see changes. Uh, Courtney, would one of the changes be that Kirk Cousins be traded at the trading deadline? I know uh, mm -hmm. San Francisco would probably have a lot of interest in him, given that Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers head coach, did work with him in Washington. Uh, could you see Kirk Cousins be traded at the deadline? I don't think anybody would want to incur that cap hit um, and just kind of like what he has left on the contract. I mean, yes, he does not have a no trade clause like he did in the first contract, but you'd be hard pressed uh, to find teams that would be willing to trade for him, especially after what's gone on, you know, this season. And I mean, they also, San Francisco also still has Jimmy Garoppolo. So I, I, unless you're seeing a player for player trade, I don't foresee it happening uh, because the contract for Cousins kind of, you know, it feels like a sunk cost at this point. It, I think it'd be very difficult to move on from him. All right. Uh, John, you got something you wanted to add? Jonathan has a question. Hey, Courtney, given where the Vikings are currently in the draft order, picking at six overall, do you think they will possibly look to land another quarterback in the upcoming draft? They, they are definitely not getting Trevor Lawrence. That That's out of the question. But do you think they'll pick another quarterback, maybe like a Justin Fields, somebody of that caliber, uh, to possibly come in and get him ready uh, for the big moment, if that comes to be? Yeah, I think that, you know, picking a quarterback kind of seems like the obvious answer for them this year in, the, in 2021. Um, and truly we should be able to know kind of the direction they're heading in before like free agency, like really as free agency is getting underway because they have, like I said, they have to make a decision on cousins before the third day of the new league year. Um, so if they ended up cutting him, like they'd, 
It's like, like, all right, if he's on the roster in 2021, but you don't pick up that option, um, I mean, I think you're probably cutting him and paying him a salary next year, and then you'd be going into the draft regardless uh, and just eating all the dead money um, and having the dead cap, you know, and going to get a quarterback. But you really have to be in a good position to know that you can get the quarterback you want because drafting top 10 doesn't guarantee you anything. I think being a top five, which – you know, people say tank for Trevor, tank for Justin Fields, tank for Trey Lance. Okay, but if that's if it doesn't work out and you don't get the player you want, I mean, you're going to be spending a ton of money in free agency or you're just going to be kind of conceding that they screwed up and that there's nothing really more that they can do at that position for the current cycle. So it's a tough one. Um, but I do think that the need for drafting a quarterback is there. It's been there uh, in, in – no better year to do that than in 2021 when kind of the the health of the franchise is riding on something like that. All right. Isaiah has a couple more questions to ask. Isaiah, ask away. Uh, Courtney, with how the Vikings have struggled on defense, which is really uncharacteristic for a Mike Zimmer coach team, what do you believe the Vikings defense needs to do in order to turn this season around? And also, what do you think the entire Vikings team needs to do in order to turn their, their season around? Yeah, um, I honestly don't know if there's going to be a huge defensive turnaround this year. I think that you commit to the rebuild at this point, realizing that you couldn't kind of go half in, half out with it. So that's probably what I would say for the defense. Play your young players. Like, you know, especially in the defensive line, like the guys like James Lynch, DJ Wanham, um, you know, you're going to probably be moving on from Jaleel Johnson next year. Probably same thing with Shamar Stefan. Uh, once you get Michael Pierce back, like go ahead and like start playing the guys that you want to give a chance to down the road. Um, and, you know, let them get their reps in now and get the experience in. And then I think team wide, it's just, they're kind of in a tough spot. Where do you want to be with this? Like, do you want, like, if they're five and 11 or six and 10, they're not doing themselves any favor. Like they're really not because they're not going to get the draft pick that they want. And it's like, no team's going to ever openly admit to tanking, but you can see it through their moves, like who they're playing. If a lot of rookies are getting playing time, if, if they would have pulled cousins, something like that. Um, cause you know, if you're three and 13 or you're two and 14, you have a better chance at getting that high draft pick and, and really the player that you want, which, um, could long-term end up being the best thing for them. Yeah. I think the Vikings right now, they're kind of in the situation as the 49ers because I'm a 49ers fan. And I, I kind of see this team with all the injuries that are going on. I see this team in a no win situation. They've got a really mm -hmm. hard schedule coming up. Uh, I think they have, they're probably either going to go eight and eight at best or go five and 11. So it's at the point where it's like, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. Uh, if you're the Minnesota Vikings, if you want to like, they're kind of at a crossroad, if you know what I mean, if they want to tank, or if they want to try yeah. to turn their season around and go for uh, maybe a wild card berth because the NFL did, in fact, approve of an, an extra team sure. being in the wild card. Yeah, and I think that if you're 7-9 and nine and you make it into the playoffs, like, do you really deserve to be there? Like, I'm yeah. – I think that there's good and bad with expanding the field. Um, but if you're probably, if you're seven and nine, you're probably just barely getting in. Um, and, and at that point, it's like, you're probably a one, you know, a one and done. And, and what does that really get you? I mean, yeah, on paper, you want to play off. You, you were in the playoffs, but you, but you lost and you started out the season one and five. So it's not really worth it. I think that 
philosophy speaking wise, uh, what their philosophy is. So they're just going to have to figure it out from here on out. And we should know or be able to kind of infer, like, are they truly buying into the, we need to do everything possible for next year and getting a good draft pick, or are we going to just try to like slug this out and try to get to eight and eight or seven and nine and make the playoffs. But we, we won't know really until we see how they perform the next few games, if that's even possible. Yeah, I, I completely agree. The next few games are going to be very telling on whether uh, which uh, which way this Viking season goes. But Matt, uh, Trevor, do you guys have any final questions for Courtney? I do have a final question. My final question looks after the bye week. How should Minnesota Vikings fans feel about going into the Packers and facing them a second time? Do you think Kirk Cousins, you know, could make something? I guess make the game interesting and come back from it. Yeah, I mean, that would be like the most like quintessential Cousins thing to do after having such a terrible outing against Atlanta um, to come in and rattle off like a, you know, 340 yard passing day and three touchdowns, um, which, you know, you'll get fans being like, well, why'd you win that game? Like it really hurts their chances for next year. Um but then again, like, I just, I don't really know where they go with the quarterback position from here. I kind of feel like it's a lost cause at certain points. Um, you don't have a viable backup either that you could rely to win games. And, and right now people are making decisions and making moves based on what's going to help their jobs and, that, and, and all of that. So I think they're in a situation where, I mean, it's certainly a, their last kind of window though was, um, to, to win a game and to, and to stay alive in like their postseason race was against Atlanta. And now it kind of feels like now that they didn't do that, it's a lost season. So. All right. Isaiah has a final comment to ask. Isaiah ask away. Yeah. Uh, Courtney, first of all, thank you so much for coming on our show. Once again, we really, really appreciate it. I just wanted to know uh, where could the fans find you, whether it's on social media or on ESPN, where could the fans uh, find your content? Sure. I mean, my Twitter is at Courtney R. Cronin. Uh, that's where I post all my stuff. And all of my articles, anything I, I write goes to the ESPN Vikings page. So if you, if you navigate over to the NFL tab, you should be able to click on it there and um, see the whole whole gamut of what I write. Awesome. Awesome. Guys, go ahead and follow Courtney on Twitter or Instagram and uh, check her content out on ESPN. But Trevor, I'm going to turn it back over to you as we wrap this show up. All right. Thanks, we're now, Thanks, now we're going to head into our final thoughts. So guys, I know it's been an, um, you know, troublesome show with technical difficulties starting out, but I'll go around the horn and just, you know, any final thoughts that anybody has. So I'll start with Matt. Matt, do you have any, you know, final questions, comments, concerns? Vikings are back to where they were with Christian Ponder. They're very confused on where they want to go. And they're in a very bad place. Jonathan, what about you? Any final questions? Yes. Uh, thank you, Courtney, for coming on. It was a pleasure to have you. And mm -hmm. I checked out some of your work on the Vikings page, and you do phenomenal work. So keep Thanks. up the great work. And we look forward to having you uh, sometime soon again. Maybe we could talk more Vikings next time. But uh, sure. keep up the great ESPN. You're doing awesome. Thanks. Isaiah, what about you? Any final you know, questions, comments? 
Yeah, I just want to thank Courtney once again for coming on. It was a pleasure to have her on the show today. Um, make sure you guys go out, go out and check out Courtney's work, whether it's on Twitter on the or on the ESPN webpage. But for Courtney, it was a pleasure to have you on. Um, hopefully, we can get you on again to talk about the Vikings, and also hopefully the Vikings turn it around so you can see some winning football up there in Minnesota. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. And Courtney, do you have any you know final questions, comments? Or anything. No, I just I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to come on, and, and best of luck to all of you. Uh, if you know if you're pursuing journalism, if you want to do something else, I mean, I think that this is a good place to start. All righty, that will do it for us on the MI6 Sports Network. I'll just give a quick reminder on our schedule. You know, we have Thursday coming up is Fan Response at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Friday is No BS. Saturday is the night shift at 10 p.m. Pacific time, and Sundays again with the night shift. So you know, those are our lineups for the remaining of the week. Also, I want to give a quick shout out to our you know Halloween special at the end of the month. So you know, tune in for our Halloween special so we can get that going. But that will do it for here for us on the MI6 Sports Network. Stay safe, everybody. Continue to wear your mask and wash your hands, and we'll see you all on Thursday for fan response. See you all soon.